You are now listening to The Last Day's Return of the Historic Faith with your host, Pastor Jeremy Anderson and Brother Matthew Marcel. This podcast is for the kingdom Christian in the end times. As aliens in a foreign land and ambassadors of our king, we proudly fly the flag with the cross as we sing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Lord, sometimes I'll be turning my back to you. I'll be running from your voice. I've been running from my purpose. I'm tired of running. I'm here to stay now. Sometimes I feel like giving up. I am only human. I be going through it too. Now lift me up. Pray for me cause I'm feeling weak. I know the joy of the Lord is my strength. But I'm sinking deep. Deep down in my tears as I weep, Lord. As I think of my regrets is when I sing more. So I'm asking, Lord, take this pain from me. Turn my life around cause I know this ain't for me. Jesus, I know you paid the price for sin. But I need you to save my life again. And I can't do this without you, Lord. I am desperate and dying to know you more. Please forgive for all the times I turn from you. Lord, I give you all of my life. I worship you. Please forgive for all the times I turn from you. Lord, I give you all of my life. I worship you. Take my weakness and turn it into strength. Take my failures and turn it into love for you. Yeah. I don't want to run from you. Yeah, yeah. I just want to run. Lord, take my weakness and turn it into strength. Take my failures and turn it into love for you. I just 
Good morning, my brothers and sisters, and welcome to a special live stream edition of Return of the Historic Faith. I am your host, Pastor Jeremy Anderson, and I want to thank each and every one of you for joining us this morning. We are actually live on Facebook. And we are live on the Apocalypse Unveiled YouTube channel. Uh, the reason that we are on the Apocalypse Unveiled YouTube channel instead of the Kingdom Christian Assembly channel is because I'm still not able to go live or upload any videos on the Kingdom Christian Assembly channel because... I have two strikes and they just recently while I was unable to upload or go live for two weeks they went back and took down a video that was from 2020 um, that I really forgot was even there it was back before that channel became the church's channel when it was next chapter radio networks channel and I was using it for the remnant report there was a video up and it was I really should have gone through the channel and made sure there was nothing there that they could get me for because they've most obviously been out to get me and to get the channel and it, it's not that big of a channel you know sister Mary Callie has helped me to understand that it's not about the size of the channel um, the enemy is not worried about um, how big your channel is he's worried about how much damage the content you are putting out on your channel is going to do to his cause and I understand that now and I'm not trying to give any kind of praise or accolades to myself or to Kingdom Christian Assembly because we are just human beings um, even though we are children of the Most High it is the Most High that does everything. God Almighty, Yah, the Father, Jesus Christ, He, the Son, He is who gets all praise, honor, and glory. He is the only one worthy of praise, honor, and glory. And apparently, either... We were putting out content that was damaging to the kingdom of darkness or sometime in the future we are going to be putting out content 
or he is worried that we will be uh, because the enemy is not like God the Father. A lot of times we tend to, to see Satan as just the evil version of God, like he's God's equal, and he's not nowhere close. He is not all-knowing. He's not omnipresent. You know, he's not all-powerful, not even close. But he does see with spiritual eyes, so he is able to see who is actually living by the Bible, who is preaching and just going directly by the Word of God. They're not adding or taking away from it, and thereby they have the potential to wake people up to the truth of their need for a Savior and the Gospel. So, apparently, he sees danger in Kingdom Christian Assembly because they are attacking us something fierce. Like I said, while I was on a, uh, they had me on a two-week ban from going live or being able to upload videos at all, they went back and found a video from 2020, took that one down for a community um, standards violation, and, you know, they've attacked this channel, um, they aren't bothering the Kingdom Productions or Kingdom Christian Assembly channel on our pages on Facebook so much, but the Apocalypse Unveiled channel, they are, you know, they are attacking this one as well. Um, we are, we just got off of a, a week-long ban from being able to upload or go live, so I have to be careful. But from now on, absolutely anything other than just our Sunday services will be on this channel. I will not be putting anything at all up on the church's YouTube channel except for things from the church, you know, church services. So, now that that is out of the way, my long-winded explanation of why we are where we're at, I will let you know what's going on. Uh, this morning, I am coming on live instead of doing an audio-only episode of the podcast that's pre-recorded. Um, I decided to do a video live stream because I had a family emergency yesterday and we weren't able to have Sunday morning service. So since I wasn't able to preach yesterday morning, I decided to come on live here on Facebook and on uh, YouTube, although I'm not on the church's Facebook page and I'm not on the church's YouTube channel, uh, and I haven't shared the program at all. You know, I have not shared this up on my personal Facebook. I haven't shared the YouTube stream either. So if you happen to be watching and you want to share, if God leads you to share it, 
by all means go for it. But this morning's message, I decided that I thought it would be best for the Holy Spirit to make the decisions on how many people should see it live and how many people should see it after it was done live because the message and the title of this morning's message was changed rather drastically and rather um, suddenly. Uh, I was going to be talking about, as you can see up on the screen, I know my mic is kind of blocking the scripture in the background, hopefully you can still hear me okay, but it says, um, it's the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly, that is John 10.10, 10. it is one of Next Chapter Radio Network's scriptures that is one of our favorites. Um, Sister Mary and uh, Tori, all of 2020, they use that scripture all year long. Um, for it was, you know, their scripture for the deception report for the entire year of 2020 and um you know they i i think it was 2020 um i i know they were also uh, that that is definitely one of our scriptures i may have just um mixed that up with something else because i think the scripture they used for 2020 was um the theme was the devil's devices, but in any case, we use John ten ten quite frequently at Next Chapter Radio Network, and I, I had a reason for using that scripture today's program on the podcast, just like yesterday's sermon was going to be about the life that Jesus gives us, the new life abundant new life that Jesus gives us once we come to a saving knowledge and relationship with him. I was going to be explaining exactly what that meant, what Jesus was talking about there in John 10, 10, both about the thief, who the thief is, and the, the life that comes with Jesus Christ. However, if you see the title of today's episode, you'll see the change that God kind of made for me. And he does that kind of frequently with me um, ever since I stopped trying to be a preacher and just started trying to be a servant of the Most High and disciple of Jesus Christ. The title of today's episode is, and the message goes right along with the title, and it is, Falling is not failing as long as 
as you get back up. We all fall down. I don't care how strong you are as a believer. I don't care how long you've been a believer. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care if you're a deacon. I don't care if you're a missionary. I don't care who you are in Jesus Christ. Your identity is in Jesus Christ. And if you ever lose sight of Jesus the way Peter lost sight of Jesus when he was walking on water. Jesus was walking to the boat that the disciples were in in the midst of a storm. And Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking towards Jesus. He starts walking towards our Lord. And he was walking on the water the same as Jesus was until he took his eyes off of Jesus. Then he immediately started falling. He fell immediately. And the same goes for us in our everyday life through our walk with Jesus. Peter was walking with Jesus on the water through our walk with Jesus in everyday life, if we ever take our eyes off of Jesus and we start trying to do things ourselves, even unconsciously, unknowingly, you know, if we get prideful, we lose our humility and our identity in Jesus will fall every time. I'm not going to go into the details because it would only take up time from the program and it would only take focus off of the message and the lesson, but this is something that I have gone through recently, very recently. Um, I took my eyes off of Jesus. I forgot my identity. And I guess for lack of a better way to put it, got cocky. You know, um, I, just like Lucifer, became prideful. You know, if, matter of fact, I would say, and I think it's very safe to say that every sin, every sin, good morning Renee, I am glad you're here, I hope you will be able to stay for the full program, I did not share this morning's program at all because today is going to actually be more of a uh, Bible study than anything else, but and I wanted the, the Holy Spirit to kind of draw people here instead of me share it out and try to get as many people to watch as possible. Um, I just went live without even putting any kind of 
uh, post or anything up letting people know I was going live. Um, and I covered all of that in the beginning. So, um, hey, you know what? That's fine. Um, you know, I, I, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot in any way, shape, or form. You know, it is recorded. So, you know, you can always come back and watch it. But, uh, I am not going to get into the details as I said but I started I guess thinking the wrong way the same way that Lucifer did you know and that's why I said that I think it's safe to say that every sin begins with pride That certainly is how Lucifer first sinned with, you know, we see the I wills that he proclaims in, in the Old Testament. We see the, the story of Lucifer in both Isaiah and Ezekiel, and it was pride that first entered in him. And that pride is what caused him to sin. And I think it's very safe to say that pride is what causes us to sin. Even if we don't realize it, even if it doesn't seem like it's pride. I think if we examined the sin, whatever each case may be, if we got down to the actual root that caused that caused us to do whatever it was we did or not do whatever we were supposed to do, I think that we will all find that more times than not, pride was the reason behind the sin. I know in my particular case, I had to really um, examine what caused me to fall. And I saw that peop it was something that began in my heart and in my spirit before it manifested in my flesh or in the real world, you know, the, the physical world. People were telling me, you know, hey, your preaching is so much different. Um, it's better than I've ever heard it before. I don't know what you're doing that's different, but whatever it is, keep on doing it. Um, you know, it was the also the the fact that you know we were when I say we, I mean the the church as a whole, which as the pastor. Even though it's the church as a whole that does things, I 
was looking at it subconsciously, not purposefully, with, um, you know, unconsciously looking at it like this is my achievement. You know, if we reached people, and we were, and we are, you know, we're bringing people together from all over the United States and also all different parts of the world. But it's God doing these things. But pride crept in. And I started, even though I wasn't realizing it, I started becoming prideful instead of humble. And I fell. You know, I didn't I didn't fall, you know, horribly the way, say, some of the more well-known uh, pastors and evangelists have fell. Um, I, I think of an example that's fresh on all of our memories would be Ravi Zacharias. You know, I did not f fall the way he fell, but I will say this, had I not recognized my sin and continued on the road I was on, I could have very easily fallen a lot further and a lot worse. The difference is two things. First of all, you know, I am a, a nobody from nowhere South Carolina. And he was a very well-known, um, very public figure who, you know, people wanted to see fall and fail. The world wants to see people fail. You can believe it or leave it, but I promise you, people would rather see you fall and fail than succeed. The scripture, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is exactly the reason that people want to see public figures, successful people, fall and fail because the spirit in the world, the spirit behind those in the world, is the same spirit from the thief. That's the enemy, Satan. He is the spirit behind all of those who are not in Jesus Christ. So, our flesh, those of us who are following our flesh, whether we want to admit it or not, when we see people doing well, when we see people succeeding, we would rather see them fall than see them continue to succeed. And the reason for that is, like I said, that same spirit, that Antichrist spirit, but it's also jealousy. It's jealousy. We want what they have. And that brings us to 
our scriptures for today. This is exactly what I was going to preach on yesterday morning. Uh, we are, if you have your Bibles, you can turn. If not, then you can go back and you know watch later. You can fast forward to this part and open your Bibles and follow along with me. But we're in the book of Matthew, chapter twenty. Um, Jesus is getting ready to enter into Jerusalem. It's not long before the Last Supper and his uh, his arrest and crucifixion. And in Matthew chapter twenty, uh, we're gonna start in verse. Uh, we'll go ahead and start in verse 17. It says, And Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart in the way, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priest and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. And shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshipping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, what wilt thou? In other words, now this is King James. He's when he says, "What wilt thou?" He's asking, you know, what do you want? What is it that you're asking of me? And she saith unto him, "Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom." So she's asking, when you come into your kingdom, allow each of my sons to sit, one on your right and one on your left, when you are on your throne in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Woman, ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? And to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said unto him, We are able. Now, they didn't have a clue. They did not have a clue what they were asking. Because they didn't have a clue what Jesus was talking about when he said, are you able to drink the cup that I drink of? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I am to be baptized with? First of all, anything that Jesus is asking or if they are able to do and to withstand what he is going to have to do and what he is going to have to withstand the sheer pride and 
cockiness for them to say yes that in and of itself makes me feel a little bit better about my failings and my pridefulness and my lack of humility sometimes because you know I I am the first to admit that before I came to Christ and it, and before I came into the kingdom I was extremely prideful I was definitely not humble brother Jeremy uh I, I hear you, bro. I know that um, you probably just got off work, so if you got to go to bed, my friend, you know, um, <laughs> go to bed. I know you can uh, watch it when you wake up, or, my friend, it will be, I'm going to be putting the audio up on the podcast after uh, I finish with the, the video, so, you know, if you want to listen to the audio on the podcast while you're at work, you can do that. Uh, Renee says we must share in the sufferings of Christ as well as the peace of Christ. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, Jesus lets them know that here just a few verses later. I, I hadn't quite got that far yet. But, yes, we definitely have to share. But at that time... They had shared in the blessings of Christ. I mean, you know, they they had been able to learn directly from the Lord. You know, they, they were able to follow him, see the miracles he did firsthand, um, you know, even partake in the miracles that he did. And I cannot imagine being able to be a personal disciple of Jesus Christ that had to be absolutely more than I can even comprehend but at that point in time it I would think that and the reason why I would think this, and I, the reason why I do think this, and I think this, it's the same reason why any of us would think what I'm about to say, uh, which is that after seeing all of the things that they saw and seeing Peter walk on the water with Jesus, and then when he took his eyes off of him, fall, um, uh, Especially since, you know, there was many, that's just one of many examples like that. You would think that they would not be full of pride the way they were at the end, but we know they were. Um, and... They failed tremendously when Jesus was arrested, as we're going to see or at least talk about here in a few minutes. I may not go that far in the scriptures, but, um, you know, they all forsook him. They all just scattered once Jesus was arrested. But 
you know, we look at it, and the reason why we think that they should have been able to know better than to become so full of pride and that they should have been able to overcome that, you know, flesh better than they did is because we are looking at it from a 21st century mindset as someone who who has the word of God. You know, we we are able to read the entire story. We know what happens after all of this. They they were living it. We're reading about it. They were living it. That's the difference. Um, but Jesus answered and said un, uh, to them, uh, wait a minute, I already read that, so we're going to go to verse 23. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. So he's telling them the same thing you said, Renee. Um, you say you're able to do it? Well, guess what? You will indeed drink of the same cup, and you will be baptized with the same baptism. And I think a lot of people read that, and they think that Jesus was saying that, you know, they were going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit uh, in uh, on the day of Pentecost, and that he's talking about the cup that they shared in the Lord's Supper on the Last Supper. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about his sufferings, the things that he was getting ready to suffer. And remember, these are the uh, two sons of Zebedee here. This this is um, the mother who was asking these things for them as well as them. And we know that all of the disciples, all of the apostles, except for John, indeed were put to death. They were killed. They didn't die natural deaths. John was the only apostle and disciple that was not put to death. And it wasn't for lack of trying. You know, they tried to kill John as well. But, um... The rest of verse 23 says, Jesus said, But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against their two brethren. So when the other ten disciples heard what Jesus said, they were what? They were jealous. They were angry. And I think that it's a perfect picture, an example of what we were talking about just a few minutes ago, that all sin begins in the heart. It begins with pride or jealousy. And, you know, the reason why we 
like to see people fall. The reason why we don't want to see people succeed is because of jealousy. We want what they have. And that is why for those of us, well, that's when the Bible talks about the heart, Renee. Renee said it also begins as a thought. It, you're exactly right. That's that's what I mean by the heart, and that's what the Bible means by by the heart. It, it doesn't actually. It's not actually talking about the organ of the heart. A lot of times, uh, the Bible uses the heart um, as you know, like a metaphor for the mind, but. It, it, you're right, you know, um, and it, it, it's, it even says you, you feel in your heart or you think it in your heart. But, you know, we don't think with our hearts. We think with our minds. But that's like a, 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 a the heart is used as like a metaphor there. Um, and, and I think that it's a... a I could go on a, a whole rabbit trail there, but I'm not going to do that. I I could do a whole show about just the heart and um, the temple of God. Uh, I have done stu Bible studies in the past and programs in the past about the um, the temple of God. You know how we as believers are the temple now God does not dwell in a temple made with hands anymore uh, the temple in Jerusalem is destroyed a lot of people believe there will be a third temple in Jerusalem I am not going to argue whether there will or won't be I will simply say this if there is going to be a third temple in Jerusalem it won't be one that God will dwell in and because of that, I do not believe that the um, you know the the man of sin or the antichrist uh, standing in the holy place that, that uh, Paul talks about is talking about a rebuilt third temple in Jerusalem because the place where God is is and that temple is inside of us but regardless um, the disciples here they were the the other ten were jealous they were moved with indignation against the other two disciples their brothers but Jesus called them unto him and he said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon those who are not. But it shall not be so among you. Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, 
and to give his life a ransom for many. And that is a perfect example of kingdom life. The way we in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, are supposed to live. Ministers, pastors, preachers are supposed to be servants. They are there for the people to minister to them. Um, we think of the word minister as meaning someone who preaches. But to minister to someone means to take care of them, to, to meet a need, to do something for them. You know, um, the Bible uh, talks about ministering spirits. Um, Jesus, after he uh, was in the wilderness for his time of fasting, his 40 days of fasting in the wilderness, after Satan came and, and tempted him, once that was over, the angels came and ministered to him. What they, they didn't come and teach him. You can't teach God. No, they came and met his needs. They ministered to his needs. He was, I'm sure, dehydrated. He was hungry. He had not had anything to eat or drink in 40 days. So, to... Be a minister when it when it says in Matthew twenty verse twenty six, but whosoever is great among you, let him be your minister. He, it's saying whoever's great in the kingdom of God, let him minister, take care of others, let him be the servant of others, and it, it shows this in the very next verse. He says. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. He shows the correlation between a minister and a servant. A minister is to be a servant. And he shows himself as the ultimate example of this. He says, even as the Son of Man, came not to be ministered to, but to give his life for a ransom for many. And the book of, of Titus, but also the book of Timothy, the, Paul tells Timothy in his letter, it's actually the, the last thing Paul ever wrote, Second Timothy. Um, you got two letters to Timothy, first and second Timothy. But um, Paul gives a uh, uh, all of the characteristics and um, qualifications of the different offices in the church. And we see the same thing here in the book of Titus. We're going to look here now in the book of uh, Titus chapter 1 it says Paul a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ according to the faith of God's elect and 
the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness in hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So God promised eternal life before the world began. That's, that's amazing. But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given unto filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Now I want to I say something here really quick. If you are reading along with me, you will see that I... I didn't stop at the end, at verse 16, at the end of chapter 1, because when 
this letter was written and when the entire Bible was written, there were no uh, chapters or even uh, there wasn't the, the verse markings. You know, they weren't separated by verse or chapters. So and when the, the verses and the chapters were added in here, Thank you for uh, listening the time that you did, Renee, and staying with us. I uh, always appreciate and love seeing you here when you come through. And like I said, it will be right here if you want to come back and follow along for the rest of it. But um, God bless you. Grace and peace. But... When these chapters and verses were added, sometimes, although the, the translators did a very good job with the chapter breaks and verses, sometimes they actually put or they stopped a chapter or began a new chapter too soon. And so there are occasions to where part of a chapter will actually go on into the next chapter. And Titus is one of those occasions when chapter 1 ends and chapter 2 begins, it's actually not where it should have ended or began and I think one thing that is a very good lesson to keep in mind in every book of the Bible that you are reading is to just forget the chapters and the verses. Uh, you know, just read the, especially the epistles, the letters, read the, the letters just for what they are. They're letters. They're one book. You know, it, it, there are chapters in books that we read today, you know, secular books or even Christian books. But um, the, the books of the Bible, for the most part, the book itself is usually about the about one subject even if it's about many subjects it's you know all some it's all things that go along with one another but anyways that I don't want to get off on too much of a rabbit trail there I'm just letting you know that the reason I did not stop at the end of uh, chapter 1 in Titus is because that's not where the chapter actually should have ended. Um, and we are going to continue here in chapter 2, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. You know, Paul's, his thought here, he, he definitely was not finished with what he was saying to Titus here in chapter 1, as we can see in chapter 2, chapter 2 literally starts with the word but. So, I mean, 
although but can begin a sentence, it doesn't usually. And even when it does begin a sentence, it um, it doesn't begin a thought. But is always the word but is always in the same thought. So, anyways, uh, it's uh, verse one and chapter two says, "But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, sober. Excuse me." Grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech, that cannot be condemned that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but shewing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Now, chapter 3 is literally going to be uh, the last chapter that we go through today, which is the last chapter of the book. But um, there's a reason for this and it goes back to the entire topic that we are covering today and that is how to live in the kingdom of God and I'm looking at it from 
the perspective of a pastor or a minister because I am a minister. But we literally, if, if we, it doesn't matter if we're men or women, young or old, if we are born again and citizens of the kingdom of God, then we're all called to be ministers because what is a minister? It is a servant. We are all called to be servants. We are the servants of God and we are to serve God, but we are also to serve mankind. We serve God by serving mankind. You know, um, a lot of people, I don't think, realize this, but even though it may not sound like this episode and this um, study that we're having today goes along with this series that we've been doing on the spirit of Antichrist that is behind the um, Reawaken America movement, this Dominionist movement, it is. I'm following the very same, um, the very same pattern and the very same subject matter I'm just showing instead of showing and talking about what they aren't doing and what they are doing wrong I'm talking about what we and when I say we I mean everyone in the body of Christ we as followers of Jesus Christ as sons and daughters of the Most High what we are supposed to do instead of what they aren't doing and are doing wrong we're talking about what we all should be doing the way that we can see the spirit behind that movement is by looking at what the spirit behind the entire whole of Christianity, the whole of the kingdom of God, the, the spirit behind it, the spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of a servant. We are called to be servants. Jesus came as the ultimate servant you know when he laid down his life and became the ultimate sacrifice for sin that was the very antithesis the very ultimate form of service you and Jesus tells us that right there in the word he says, no greater love, there is no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. That is the 
ultimate uh, uh, showing, the ultimate sign of love, the ultimate form of love to lay down one's life for his or her friends. And, you know, you may hear the things that I'm saying when I say that we're all called to be ministers, whether we are men, women, you may hear that and say, well, uh, you know, women are not uh, supposed to be pastors. Well, you know, you're right. Women are not supposed to be pastors, but that doesn't mean women aren't supposed to teach. It just means women aren't supposed to teach men. And we see that here in the book of Titus. You know, Titus talks about women teaching, women teaching other women. Um, so, you know, if you are in a church that has women who teach Sunday school, uh, it's not necessarily something that they shouldn't be doing um, you know there is if they're teaching other women then there's absolutely nothing wrong with it um, and I'm, I'm not trying to get off the subject or go off point I, I just was trying to answer the question that I know some of you were asking just because I I know from times past questions people ask anytime you know I cover this subject or I'm reading or teaching from the book of Titus I've been asked in times past about women but the thing is as long as women are teaching other women there's nothing wrong with it so Keep that in mind. Make sure to take the Bible in context. In order to have a good understanding of Scripture, you have to rightly divide the Word of God. That means the entirety of the Word of God. And that's why... Even though we aren't looking at those in this dominionist movement in particular today, even though we aren't pointing out the things they are saying and doing and, you know, all that is and isn't wrong with it, we're still right on the same subject and we have not. You know, we haven't gone to a different subject. We are still talking about the very same thing, and that is how to live and how to walk in the kingdom. You know, the, the, the kingdom of God is here. We are living in the kingdom, but the way that we live in the kingdom is so very, very important. If we, you know, we have 
been taught wrong time and time again by so many false teachers. And when I say we, I mean mankind. Um, those who have come to Christ and are looking for a teacher to put themselves under, a, a pastor, a church to go to. They are trying to follow what the Bible says and obey the Word of God the book of Hebrews chapter 10 tells us to not to forsake the gathering together with other believers and people are trying to obey this. Jesus says the same thing and talks about gathering with one another and talks in the, the gospels about how to live and behave and act as a Christian and people are trying to obey God and in doing so time and again they find themselves sitting underneath the teaching of a wolf and one thing I have had to ask myself, am I a wolf? Am I teaching people the wrong things? I know that it scares me to death sometimes the weight of people listening to what I say about the Word of God because that means when I stand before my Creator, when I stand before the ultimate judge on Judgment Day, I'm going to be held to a higher standard and I'm going to be judged according to what I have told other people, what I've taught other people. So I have to examine not only my life and the way I live and the things I say in everyday life, but I have to examine the way I teach and preach the Word of God. It's the reason why I've stopped you know, writing sermons and trying to preach the way that I was taught in seminary and just went to just preaching the Word of God. No filters. You know, um, no commentary or at least the least amount of commentary possible from me so that I am not being a wolf and because we are literally told here in Titus Paul tells uh, Titus he says 
let's see. There are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. So, you know, it is a very thin line that we must walk. On the one hand, we are definitely to live exactly the way that Jesus tells us to live in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, we are to treat everyone lovingly and we are to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Um, you know, we are to love our enemies. Um, you know, we are to pray for those who persecute us. But, and we are definitely to treat our brothers and sisters in Christ lovingly. We are to show love to our brothers and sisters. The Bible tells us this over and over. But that is the very reason why it says that we are to rebuke them sharply. And who is them? The Liars and false teachers, uh, false prophets, teaching things that they ought not because they are subverting whole houses. They are giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments and teachings of men. I can think of no greater example today of what Paul is talking about here in Titus than the things I see and hear going on in the Hebrew root movement and the Messianic communities as well as the dispensational pre-trib camp. I mean, they are different but so very similar. Even though they teach things differently, sometimes extremely differently, they are both extremely dogmatic about what they teach and they're both 
teaching the commandments of men. Um, they are teaching Jewish fables, both of them, even if they're different forms of Jewish fables. You know, it's sad and we are literally given this list of qualifications for ministers in the Word of God for a reason. I don't think that it is by coincidence or happenstance that the part of the Bible that gives the qualifications for a minister is this part that tells us that we should not give heed to Jewish fables or the commandments of men and we should not turn from the truth. It says, Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure. Even their mind and their conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but the, in their works, they deny him. Now, almost every time I find a false teacher or a false teaching that is, especially a false teacher, that or a denomination that is teaching a false teaching like dispensationalism, right? Okay. The almost every time they profess God with their mouths, but They, at the same time, deny God in their deeds. Now, I'm not talking necessarily about people as much as I'm talking about doctrines. But doctrine will most certainly determine the way people live. Calvinism and dispensationalism more times than not go hand in hand. Calvinism is one of the biggest proponents of once saved, always saved. You cannot lose your salvation and your works play no part in your salvation. Once you are saved, you are saved, you cannot lose that salvation, and 
nothing you do plays any part in your salvation. Well, if that is the case, then the Bible in so many places is wrong and is lying. And if you believe that, if you believe that what you do plays no part in your salvation, then you are not going to feel the need to obey the Word of God. If you believe that your obedience plays no part in your salvation, then you are going to be that less likely to be obedient. And that is the perfect example of a commandment of men. And any type of fable, you know, not necessarily a Jewish fable, although dispensationalism is definitely a Jewish fable. And The reason for that is because dispensationalism, a lot of people think that it teaches only the pre-trib rapture. People, you know, think of the pre-trib teaching when they think of dispensationalism, but that's just one of many uh parts of the doctrine of dispensationalism all of which that I can think of right this second are wrong the worst part of dispensationalism isn't the pre-trib teaching the worst part is the part that teaches that there are two paths two directions that lead to God. There's one path for the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, belief and accepting Jesus Christ gets Gentiles adopted into the Israel of God or Israel period. And then you have the bloodline of the 12 tribes and specifically the, the, the Jewish people. And they believe that their blood, because of who they are, that uh, who their descendants, who, the, who they are descended from, that that is going to save them. There's no need for them to come to Jesus Christ because God has a, a, a separate plan for the Jews. And that is, in my opinion, the worst part of dispensationalism and the biggest lie of dispensationalism because if you believe that, then what's the point in witnessing to uh, Jewish people, the Jews, what's, why witness to them if, if 
they don't need if they, you know if they have their own path to God if God has his own plan for them that is not through Jesus Christ then why would you go and witness to them that is the worst part of dispensationalism in my opinion and I know I'm not alone in that but it's also just one part that's wrong with it and it's in dispensationalism itself is just one of many belief systems that are sending people to hell and I'm not saying that you can't be dispensational and also be a true believer and follower of Christ. That's not what I'm saying at all. Please don't misunderstand me. I am simply pointing out that the things taught in that particular interpretation of Scripture is leading people to hell. There are people sitting in hell today because they believe they cannot lose their salvation and they believe that there's no need to witness to Jewish people. And I guarantee you that, well, I said that the wrong way. I said there are people sitting in hell today. There is no one sitting in hell today. I, I didn't mean that. I meant there are people on their way to hell today that didn't have to go there if I would have witnessed to them or you would have witnessed to them or someone else would have witnessed to them. They could have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and if they would not have been told that they could not lose their salvation then they would have been doing exactly what the Word of God says here in the book of Titus. And I truly hope that you take the things that I've said today as a whole and that you have been able to understand that Falling isn't failing just so long as you get back up. If you choose to stay down in your sin, then you have failed. And you very well may end up in hell regardless to whether you have been a believer in Jesus Christ. Um, you know, as it says here in the book of Titus, that you can profess that you know God with your mouth, but deny Him with your actions. And be abominable, be an abomination, disobedient, 
can be reprobate. If you are denying Jesus with your actions, then Paul says that you are a reprobate. We all fall, as I pointed out in the beginning. I showed a and talked about something with myself where I allowed pride to creep in and I forgot my identity which is not in myself my identity is in Jesus Christ and because of that I fell we can easily fall into sin if we take our eyes off of Jesus the same way Peter walking on the water that's a perfect example of us walking through life he took his eyes off of Jesus and he fell into the water he sank it's the same with us walking in life if we take our eyes off of Jesus then we'll fall into sin if we do not repent and get back up and realize that our identity is in Jesus Christ ask for forgiveness get back up if we stay in our sins then we very well may die in our sins if we choose to stay down in the pit of sin and despair then we will have made a conscious choice to willingly sin. We will have made the decision to willingly stay in our sins. And Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that if we sin willingly after we have known the love of the truth, then there remains no more sacrifice for our sin. And if there's no more sacrifice for our sin, then there is only one thing for us to expect. And that is the wrath of God. That's not me saying that. That's what the Word of God says. But just as the scripture behind me says that the thief does not come except to, but to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That life is life eternal, but it's only life eternal if you finish the race. You're not going to have that eternal life in this flesh. 
you, I mean, we know that. It's appointed unto every person once to die and then the judgment. We're all going to die unless we are alive at the return of Jesus Christ, then we will die. But everyone will be judged. The blessed hope, the blessed hope is the appearance, the glorious appearance that happens at the resurrection. Titus tells us that we are all looking for that blessed hope, that resurrection. That is the fulfillment, the ultimate fulfillment of salvation. So you must finish the race in life. You cannot stay down in your sin. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you are a pastor. I don't care if you are just an average person. I don't care if you are a televangelist or a missionary. There is always going to be the chance that you can fall short and sin. Pride can creep in and you can fall. When that day comes, when that day comes, the foundation of the Word of God that your faith is built upon will determine whether you get up or not. And that is why it is so important for you to read the Word of God every single day. Every single day. And that's why I felt so strongly the need to come on here today. Because, like I said at the very beginning, I wasn't able to preach yesterday morning. We weren't able to have church. And I just felt so strongly that I needed to come on. And even though I didn't do it on the, the church's website or even the church's Facebook page or YouTube channel. I felt that I needed to come on and allow the Holy Spirit not only to speak through me from the Word of God, but 
to draw those who needed to hear the things that he put on my heart to share today instead of me trying to bring people to to hear it that's why I didn't share or even announce that I was coming on I just came on and I hope that I did what I was supposed to do I tried to and I hope that each and every person who heard the message that I gave today got out of it what God meant for you to get out of it. I've been on for an hour and a half now, a little longer than an hour and a half, so I'm going to close us out with a word of prayer, and that's going to end this Bible study and this live edition of Return of the Historic Faith. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you now, Lord, and I thank you for each and every person who came and heard the message that I gave from your word today. Lord, I pray that you would just allow everyone who heard this message today to get out of it what you had for them, Lord, whether they hear it live or whether they hear it from the recorded version. Father, I thank you for all of your many blessings, first and foremost, and the most important of them all being your son that you sent to die on the cross so that we may all have the opportunity to be reconciled unto you, Father. Father God, I pray that you would allow every man, woman, and child who has not come to a saving knowledge of your son Jesus Christ to be able to have an opportunity today to hear the gospel and have an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of their lives, to put him first in their lives, to live every day from this day forward for Jesus Christ and by your word being obedient to the commandments of Christ and the word of God. Father God, I love you and I ask all these things in the mighty name above all names, Jesus Christ. Amen. Guys, I thank you for joining us and I am going to close us out with a song. Until next time for Kingdom Christian Assembly, this is Pastor Jeremy Anderson saying God bless you all, grace and peace.
Lord, sometimes I'll be turning my back to you. I'll be running from your voice. I've been running from my purpose. I'm tired of running. I'm here to stay now. Sometimes I feel like giving up. I am only human. I be going through it too. Now lift me up. Pray for me cause I'm feeling weak. I know the joy of the Lord is my strength, but I'm sinking deep. Deep down in my tears as I weep, Lord. As I think of my regrets is when I sing more. So I'm asking, Lord, take this pain from me. Turn my life around cause I know this ain't for me. Jesus, I know you paid the price for sin, but I need you to save my life again. And I can't do this without you, Lord. I ain't desperate and dying to know you more. Please forgive for all the times I turn from you. Lord, I give you all of my life. I worship you. Please forgive for all the times I turn from you. Lord, I give you all of my life. I worship you. Take my weakness and turn it into strength. Take my failures and turn it into love for you. Yeah. I don't want to run from you. Yeah, yeah. I just want to run. Lord, take my weakness and turn it into strength. Take my failures and turn it into love for you. Yeah. I don't want to run from you. Yeah, yeah. I just want to run to you. I just wanna run to you. 